Hi, this is episode 25 of Highlighting the Best of Youth Sports, brought to you by Numbers Don't Lie Productions. In this interview, we had Coach Jason Negro, head football coach at St. John Bosco High School. Max Preps named Coach Negro their top football coach of the last decade in the country. During that time, Coach Negro and his football program has amassed a record of 116 wins and only 20 losses, three California state titles, and two national championships. The numbers don't lie, and Coach tells us how his coaching foundation was built at the youth level. Before we get into this episode, please subscribe and help us reach more people by leaving a rating and review on your favorite podcast platform of choice. And remember, if you'd like to learn more about the services offered by Numbers Don't Lie and how to highlight your athlete's special skills, be sure to visit numbersdontlie.biz. Now let's get into this episode. Welcome to Highlighting the Best of Youth Sports, where we bring you insights from top athletes, their sports journey, and those positively impacting the youth sports community. If you're ready like we are, let's go. Welcome, everyone. Today, we have the distinct honor to talk with one of, if not the top high school football coach in the nation. Coach Jason Negro has been the head football coach at St. John Bosco High School for the past decade and finished off 2019 with the program's second national title. Coach, welcome to Highlighting the Youth Sports. How are you? Hey, I'm doing great, man. Thanks for having me on this, and uh, I really appreciate the opportunity anytime to talk about sports and and youth sports in particular. So let's get this going. Coach, for those uh, in our audience who may not be familiar with you or Bosco football, can you take just a few brief moments to tell us a little about it, a little bit about yourself and your program? Sure. Well, I grew up in the city of Bellflower and just like most every kid, you know, seven, eight year old, I started playing youth baseball and and then played uh, youth football uh, by the time I became 10 years old or so. My dad finally let me have an opportunity to play and I played all the way through my youth. And then once I got through the youth, the youth leagues and got into high school. I chose to go to St. John Bosco High School, which is an all-boys Catholic high school in Bellflower, California, in the city I live in. Um, you know, so I had four years there and, and really enjoyed my, my time as, as being a student and being a part of athletics is always something that I wanted to do. Went away to college for a few years and then came back in, in 1998 as a, um, as a teacher coach at Bosco. Spent three years there. Went to Orange County, spent, spent uh, nine years in Orange County as a teacher coach, and then came back to Bosco, like you said, 10 years ago, and just have had an amazing experience. And, and you know, being able to coach this program over the last 10 years has certainly been a pleasure for me. Coach, your, your resume at Bosco is incredible, and I, I'm going to get into the numbers a little bit later um, with, with some later questions, but... You built another powerhouse football program several decades ago in Bellflower. Uh, <laughs> can you tell us uh, how your coaching career began at Bellflower Youth Football? Yeah, it's kind of a funny story. So I was going to college and I had a buddy of mine that lived in the city of Bellflower as well. My dad used to be the president at Bellflower Youth Football and he did that for a number of years when I was a, when I was a player and going through the program and I had two brothers uh, that went through the program as well. So um, I was always very close. I lived across the street from Bellflower High School, and that's kind of where the league um, played its home games and, and did half of our season was practiced at Bellflower High. So a buddy of mine had a son that was going to be a seven-year-old, and he said one day, hey, listen, would you, would you be interested in helping me coach? And I was just a college kid. I think I was 20 years old at the time. And he, I went over to the – he goes, they don't have a team. You want to be the head coach, and, and I'll be your assistant, and I'll run everything. You just got to kind of do it. And I'm like, okay, I'll try 
I went over there and I was only 20, so I needed to be 21. So I came home, kind of bummed out. My dad said, well, listen, I, why don't I go over there and I'll be the head coach and then you just kind of run it with, with, with your other friend. And I said, perfect. And that's how it started. And, then the very, and I had so much fun in that first year and really started to understand what it was like to work with young people and, and to mentor the youth of, of our community. And I fell in love with it. So uh, I was going to be a physical therapist. I changed my major in the middle of, of college and decided to become a teacher. I uh, got my teaching degree and, and then, um, again, started that, that youth program. I, I did it for five years. I had, it, like you said, a ton of success. Uh, we, we won a bunch of ball games. I think we were like 54 and one and in the, in the five years that we were there and won like four out of the five years we won titles. Uh, it was fun. And, and it's, what's interesting is, and here it is now, you know, some probably, I don't know what, 20 something years later. And I still stay in contact with some of those kids. And um, one of the kids that I coached, his kid's going to be an incoming freshman at Bosco. So it's kind of cool. Uh, that I've had that much of a lasting impression on some of those youth kids. And full disclosure for our audience, I played with uh, Jake and Luke in yeah. youth sports, youth baseball, and youth football. Oh. Jake's your younger brother. Yep. And on our championship team uh, in Bellflower Youth Football, you weren't even a coach yet. You were yeah. on the sidelines. We, we got you a pass, or the coaches got you a pass, yeah. and you, I think, were the photographer out there uh, prior yeah. to that. So. <laughs> I had to find a way to get on the field. So, yeah, uh, yeah just trying to be involved. I mean, that was just something that I always really cherished and always enjoyed. And I think that youth sports um, arena was a great way to be able to kind of cut my teeth and learn a little bit about having to deal with a smaller environment of, of athletes. You know, I have some 200 pro kids in my program now, but back then, you know, we had 20, 25 kids on the team. And I really got to understand what it was like to, to work, um, you know, with that type of a group in a smaller environment. Um, and it was, it was, it allowed me to become better um, and, and the kind of the coach that I am today. Coach, if I recall, um, you, you know, you mentioned you were 20 years old at the time. So you obviously mm -hmm. had no children. Your friend, your mm -hmm. friend had a kid on the team. Mm -hmm. But o over the years, and it, it sounds like it may have started year one, but then it progressed. But if I recall, you built a staff with some great, tough, old school coaches that were mm -hmm. kind of some mentors to you. Can you touch on that and how that helped you out? Well, I think that's kind of been a theme that's kind of been with me my entire career. One of the things that I've learned, um, I, and I don't know where I learned it, but I learned it at a very young age, and that was to try to surround yourself with very talented people. Um, and, you know, regardless, I, I guess I learned that through athletics, because if you're going to be on a team and you wanted to be good, well, you better recruit all the best kids that you can have on your team in order to go, um, you know, compete the, to the best of your abilities. And I, I thought the same thing could be done at the coaching staff. So, um, I had the opportunity to, you know, when I got the job at Bellflower Youth and I was the head coach to go out and hire some guys that, you know, had coached me, had mentored me, had an experience with working with youth kids at the youth level. Um, that was going to give me an advantage. So if I was just able to kind of, you know, infuse my philosophies into what we were trying to do and bring all these other guys along and kind of update them with what we were doing. Um, that the past and the present was going to be pretty successful. And, and ultimately it was. And I was very fortunate to have all those people that I had with me. Coach, what do you miss most about coaching at that level? Uh, I, you know what? I miss the innocence of it. You, yeah. you know, where I'm at now, it's such a high level uh, program. I mean, all our kids are, are basically trying to get to the next level. They're trying to obtain college scholarships and things like that. Uh, at the youth level, there was just so much joy and so much um, just innocence about it. And I think that's something that at the high school level, especially where I'm at in the competitive nature that, that our program is, is a part of, 
um, is lost a little bit. You know, kids playing the game just because it's fun. Kids playing the game because it allows, it allows them time to get out there with their buddies and just do something a little bit different than running around the, you know, the streets or running around in parks and things like that. It's an organized, um, you know, opportunity for them. But I, I, I think if you had to ask me and I had to narrow it down, it would be innocence. The innocence of those little guys and seeing how pure it was, you know, when they were able to, you know, get better at a particular task or, or win a game at which they didn't think they could win. But, um, you know, I, I do miss that about the game. And for those in our audience, when you started, you, you didn't go in and take on a championship team or you started at the absolute lowest level. It was probably six or seven years old. And then you, yeah. you stayed with those teams and, and progressed up, but it, w- it was the youngest age groups. Yeah, I started in, it was Bellflower Junior All-American Football. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it was part of Orange County Junior All-American Football, the affiliation. And, um, it was the junior clinic level. So basically when I started, you know, Bellflower had kind of an influx. And the reason why I started, you know, at 20 and, and I kind of got that job with my dad that very first year was because there were so many kids at that level. They had to split the division into two and make two teams. So there was like a seven, seven and eight-year-old team. And then I had a team that was all seven-year-olds. And we kind of, you know, had to take our lumps and played some teams um, that were a lot more experienced than us. So basically we had a bunch of first-year players uh, but, but, and I think there was only one kid on that team that had played before, uh, you know, so for us, uh, it was a very good opportunity for us to start at the bottom and con- continue to kind of build our way up. And that's what we did. And then that very next year, we stayed in that, that level at junior clinic, but we had a lot of experienced kids. And that was my first year as a head coach and, and why we were so successful. Coach, I know you're big at Bosco with tradition and culture. And looking back, is there one thing that you learned or developed during those youth football coaching years that are still with your program today? Well, absolutely. I think a lot of the same principles that I used at the youth level, I'm still using today. I mean, you're still dealing with kids. You're still having to put a plan together. You have to be organized. You have to practice. Um, You have to get the most out of the talent that you have. You have to be able to properly identify personnel. Um, You have to be able to work with the coaching staff and make sure everybody's on the same page. You know, we did a lot of um, um, a lot of scouting, you know, at the youth level. And so for us to be able to go out there and look at other teams and see how they were doing that um, is very similar to what we're doing at the high school level. The difference is, um, is the stakes are a little bit higher. Um, you know, I'm probably surrounded or the competitors that we're playing against are probably a little bit better coaches uh, than they were at the youth level. That was the one thing that I think was an advantage of ours is I had aspirations of becoming something more than just a youth coach. And a lot of these teams that we played against, you know, and, and give them credit, they were just dads or, or family guys out there just kind of, you know, wanting to coach their kid. Well, I was doing it for a career or for an opportunity uh, to obtain a job at, as a career at the high school level. So I took it a little bit differently. And I think that's you know, why we were so successful. But those principles that I learned in terms of dealing with parents, um, having a fundraise, all those things, uh, you know, that we had to do at the youth level, they all apply in the high school level as well. It's just a little bit bigger uh, scheme and the environment is a little bit bigger and, and the capacity for these kids and their performance is a little bit higher. But at the end of the day, sports is sports, whether you're working with an eight-year-old or whether you're working with an 18-year-old, there's very little difference with, with working with them, I have found at least. Looking back for you as a, not a coach, but more as a participating in youth sports and then, at, you know, even as you progressed into the high school level, how did that participation in sports help shape who you are today? Well, I, I just think it defines you as a person. And a lot of times they say you're going to build character and you're going to build 
you know, you're going to learn a lot about ethics, morality, and, and, and hard work and, and things like that. But, you know, one of the things I think sports does is it kind of reveals a character, not so much builds it, but it reveals it. And, and it basically, you know, lets you know a little bit about yourself and it teaches you so many things. I believe sports is just a microcosm of our, our real lives and, yep. and being able to have to deal with um, some of the difficulties that you have in life, you know, you're ultimately learning that in sports as a very young age, you're, you're dealing with success. I mean, you know, it's not all about, you know, wins and losses, but you can learn as much from a win as you can a loss in terms of how do you handle winning or how do you handle losing or disappointment or, um, you know, coming to the realization that you may not be the best person at your particular position and you have to play a specific role um, within a team. That's no different than the workplace. You know, here it is, you know, 25, 30 years later, you know, that from when I was a, a youth and I was playing through some of these games, you know, that I realized, okay, well, I'm not always going to be the best guy. So when I'm fitting into an environment where I have to be a team player, it's important. And well, that's no different than, than the way it is now, um, you know, here at the workplace at my school. I'm just a part of a greater organization. And I think youth sports ultimately helped that. And um, I learned so much from it. And I think that's one of the reasons why I kind of came back to the profession um, and chose why I'm doing what I'm doing in education and, and coaching so I can have that same impact on young kids and make them realize there is a lot to gain from this. We hear a lot in sports about trusting the process. What does that phrase mean to you? Oh, you know, you sit in much of our team meetings. <laughs> uh, trusting the process and being a part of a process is something that I speak about exclusively in our program. You know, we have phases of the season and there is a process at which you need to go through each one of these phases uh, to reach your maximum potential, not only as an individual, but also as a team. And this is something that we're really kind of struggling through right now because part of the process that we have is developing the team chemistry, developing that culture you talked about, or developing those senior leaders. And, and now we're not able to do that, or at least we're not able to do it in person. So, um, you know, sometimes your phases are, uh, you know, or your process, which you talked about, are disrupted and you have to find a way uh, to, to alter or adapt through that process. But process is, is important and you have to understand um, that there are necessary steps you need to take to accomplish a goal. You don't just say, I want to be a national champion and you go out there in September and show up and then it happens. Um, you have to go through a systematic approach to get there. And that's what we determine at Bosco as a process that you just spoke about. Yeah. And I think during this time with this shutdown and the pandemic, it had an, a, a huge adverse effect and, and shown adversity uh, for that process, for everything. Mm -hmm. and, and it's it's really a learning thing for everyone, whether it's, you know, us as adults, or this is the first, we've never dealt with anything like this, but it's a time to reset. And, and really at, at some point we, you know, kind of went through a whole uh, uh, ups and downs of how we were feeling. But at some point it was like, all right, we got to reset and figure it out mm -hmm. and, and move forward. Yeah, um, without question. I mean, you know, we've had things disrupted during the season, you know, back in 2018, you know, we, we were getting ready to play modern day uh, in, a, in a gigantic game for us. It's a league opponent and uh, we, you know, trying to win the league title and we had rain and lightning and lightning was striking all around the stadium and the games were canceled that night. So we had to get back on the buses, go home, come back the next night and play. So, you know, we've also had to deal with wildfires here in, in California where games were pushed back or they were suspended for a week and things like that. But we've never had to deal with something like this where there is no end in sight. And I think that's one of the most difficult things to deal with with this particular pandemic is, you know, people want answers from me as the head coach and they're like, all right, coach, what are we going to do? And I'm like, uh, 
you know, I, I have to figure it out because I don't know, you know, how to respond to something that I don't know when there's an end date. And I think that's what has been, you know, super difficult at this time, at least. Coach, today's athletes, especially young athletes, younger and younger, they're on social media, they're utilizing social media. How can young athletes best utilize social media in their sports journey? I think the best way that they can do it is kind of a, his social media is a big um, identifier of who the kid is. And I think that is, can be a very good thing and a very bad thing. Um, you know, one of the things that these young kids really need to understand is social media never goes away. So even though they might post something or they might have a particular opinion about something that might rub the people the wrong way, they have to be very, very careful because social media is going to identify who these kids are and the type of personalities um, you know, that they're growing into. And that, that, that has to be um, a very scary uh, proposition and something that we talk even to our high school kids about a lot, you know, that they have to be careful and they have to use social media for the proper purposes. And that's to um, let people know who you are. They can identify the, the type of athlete that they are and they can obviously see um, through videos or through clips or highlights or things like that of the type of athlete they can become. But they also have to understand that there's another phase to this, and that is the whole um, the personality thing. Mm -hmm. You know, kind of what are your opinions? What type of person are you? Um, you know, what, what are your belief systems and the type of teammate that you can possibly be? Are you an I, I, I guy or are you a, you know, a, a we guy and going to be somebody that's going to be a proper teammate? And I know for us at Bosco, we constantly talk about how social media is going to have a direct impact on how colleges are recruiting you. So you have to be very careful, especially in this time right now when nobody's doing anything and a kid has a time bomb sitting in their hand and yeah. it's going to throw out there an, an opinion about something. It could totally derail their entire uh, collegiate career. So we constantly talk about the positives of social media and the negatives, but at the youth level, it can be very, it can be very um, beneficial. And if they use it the right way and they're properly instructed on what they should be and should not be posting. What role do highlight or skills videos play in the youth sports journey and more importantly in the recruitment process for athletes? That's a great question. You know, um, one thing that I will say is it allows us as high school coaches to be able to kind of take a look at a kid playing in a game situation um, or if he's, if he's filming particular drills but it's a fine line because, you know, I'm not supposed to be actively looking at, you know, youth kids highlight videos and, and taking a look at, at their, their Instagram posts and, and their Twitter feeds and things like that because CIF has a rule, which is the California Interscholastic Federation of Sports, that I can't have any undue influence with these young athletes. And, but I can't actively even like or, or retweet or, 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 you know, add, you know, one of these kids highlights to one of my stories, unless he is a student athlete at St. John Bosco High School. So basically, it's hard for us because as a coach, I'd like to look at it, I'd like to evaluate it, I'd like to communicate with the kid. But I have a hard time doing that because I don't want to, you know, break any, you know, rules in terms of undue influence. So um, the biggest thing is, is for us to be able to take a look at it. And then when the student does become you know, one of our, one of our, you know, players in our program by being a registered student on campus, then we can get into it a little bit more and say, okay, look, here are the areas that you need to improve on. What are you missing most right now with this pandemic and shutdown of the schools and, and your sports programs? What are you missing most? I miss my friends, which are my players. I, I miss those, those guys that I have a relationship with each and every day. Um, you know, a lot of people go to work on Monday and they can't wait 
to, 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 to clock out on Friday. Well, that's opposite for me. You know, when I get to school on Monday, I look forward to it. I look forward to it because I get to work with about 200 of, uh, of kids that, that, that are my friends or my coaches um, that I collaborate with on a daily basis in order to try to, you know, make it us have the best high school football program that we can in the country. So the thing that I'm missing most without question is the relationships that you have with young people. And that's one of the reasons why I got into youth sports and got into high school athletics is because I like working with the youth athlete and it means a whole lot to me. So for me um, to be able to sit at home and not be able to, you know, actively, you know, give a high five or give a kid a hug or, or a fist pump or something like that. It, it, it's, it's a bummer because, you know, I've developed very close relationships with my players because we do spend so much time with them. And when that's just pulled out from underneath you in an instant, I mean, we, had, we were at school on March 12th and on March 13th, we were told not to come back. You know, you didn't even get to say goodbye. Right. Um, you know, so that was a tragic situation for us. Uh, luckily, we have some video and things like that, but it's still not the same. Yeah, I'm hoping it ends soon so everyone, we can get back to some sort of normalcy and especially, you know, with sports, it's just such a big part of our lives and um, mm -hmm. with everyone, kids and, and coaches and just people that are entertained by it. Um, can't wait to get back to it. Coach, so 54-1 and one with BYF, <laughs> uh, Bosco 116-20 and 20 over the past decade, two national titles at St. John Bosco, and your numbers definitely <laughs> don't lie. So can you tell us what that phrase, numbers don't lie, means to you? Well, I mean, I think the results speak for themselves. And when you take a look at those 116 wins, and we actually had 120 wins, there, there were some, 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 some games that we had to kind of – that, that we consider wins on our campus because, because of some situations prior to me even coming to Bosco um, that affected our season in 2012. But, you know, we're really 120 wins and with, what, 16 losses uh, in a 10-year period, and that's pretty remarkable. And the reason why it's, it's remarkable, and why, as you say, the numbers don't lie, is because if you took a look at the opponents at which we played in those 120 wins um, – they were some of the best programs across the country. And that's something that we're not afraid to do is go out and play some really impressive people. Uh, but it also tells you a little bit about consistency. And that's something that I've always wanted to um, have people uh, speak about me or my program in a positive light is by saying, man, that program's consistently good. When we know we have to play these guys on our schedule year in and year out, they know exactly what they're going to get and how difficult the task is going to have to beating you know, beating us on the field is because of the consistent approach that we take. And so um, if you want to, you know, rack up those many wins and have those numbers continue to increase in the future, you need to be consistent in your approach. And I think that's something that we have done. Um, and, and again, like, like you say, numbers don't lie. You, you just look at them um, as a whole and you could say, man, these guys obviously are doing something right because, you know, the, the, the results speak for themselves. And that's something that I'm super proud of. And I've given a lot of um, just amazing experiences to a lot of young men. And that's, that's important to me. Okay, we're down to our final rapid fire questions. What's the best piece of leadership advice you've received? Best piece of leadership advice I have received is be authentic, um, you know, and be real. Um, I think that um, Jeff Brinkley, who was the longtime head coach at Newport Harbor High School, you know, when I got the job, my first head coaching job at Tribuco Hills, I went and met with Coach Brinkley and he said, be authentic, be real. 
Um, anytime that you have an opportunity to, to go face to face with either a parent or, or a student athlete, you know, be authentic, be real to them because ultimately they're the ones that are going to judge you and you don't want them ever walking away saying that that guy's a fake. And so I, I want to be authentic and I want to be real. Who's your favorite athlete and why? Oh gosh, that, that's a tough one. My favorite athlete. Stay away Ooh. from high school. Let's talk, yeah. about a pro, a pro, let, let's talk about a pro athlete that who's your favorite and why. Gosh, you know, I mean, uh, I mean, uh, you know, sadly, it's probably Kobe Bryant, um, you know, and, and I never played basketball, I never coached basketball, but just the approach that, that that man had, you know, to the competition and to the game and, and the way that he attacked each and every practice and, and each and every game. And then ultimately, you know, now that, that obviously he has passed and you've learned more about him, um, to learn about the type of parent that he was and, and, and how important family was. And I know he had some situations that went on early in his career, um, you know, legally in Colorado and things like that, but he was able to overcome that. And that, that's another thing that was super important. So if I had to say an athlete who I would kind of want my students or my players to model themselves behind, it would probably be Kobe Bryant. Who's your favorite coach and why? Oh, gosh, my favorite coach. Um, you know, I have a lot of them. And, and people ask me all the time. I love college football. College football, by far, is, is, is the best thing ever. Um, one of the guys that's one of my favorite coaches of all times is the guy that I started coaching youth football with, Lee Williams. Um, and you know Lee, and you know his two sons, Corey and Casey. And Lee is just yeah, – he taught me so much about the game, and he told me, taught me so much about, you know, coaching and, and, and working with, with young people. You know, but but I have also now been in a position at Bosco where I've got to meet some like remarkable people, and probably right now, one of the most influential people in my lives is Dabo Sweeney from Clemson. You know, having an opportunity uh, to have my quarterback, uh, you know, be recruited by Clemson and ultimately commit there, and who now is a student because he was an early enrollee. Um, I've had very close uh, communication with Coach Sweeney, and I've learned a lot about you know, how to, to coach the right way. And he's doing it ultimately at the highest level and making a big impact on people's lives. And, and, and he's really kind of, um, you know, rubbed off on me. Where can people follow you and find out more about Bosco football and coach Jason Negro? Well, you know, I'm kind of, I'm not a big social media guy internally. <laughs> you know, I don't have a Twitter. I don't have a Facebook or an Instagram myself. But, you know, Bosco Football is on Twitter. You can follow it there. I mean, I don't even know the address. At Bosco Football, I guess. And We'll put it our, in the show notes. Okay, thank you. And then our, and then our Twitter account is um, at Bosco uh, Football as well. And so uh, we have a pretty large following across the high school. I think we're, you know, nearly 14,000 followers on, on Instagram or, over ten, or, excuse me, on Twitter and over 10,000 on um you know, on, on Instagram. So uh, we do have a, a, a big following. We are a national brand uh, and, and we want to continue to stay there. So if you have the opportunity to, to push what we're doing at Bosco uh, through our social media channel uh, channels, please do that. That would be huge. Absolutely. And I want to challenge you Bosco football to uh, catch up to numbers. Don't lie. Cause our uh, Instagram followings about <laughs> 16,000. So I want to challenge uh, you guys, but I, I also, uh, you, you mentioned you're not a big social media guy, but I, I'll mm. encourage everyone and I'll put the links uh, into the show notes as well to Bosco Football's YouTube channel because uh, Coach Negro, oh, yeah. <laughs> Coach Negro has been on there and uh, he is uh, coming out from behind the curtain a little bit uh, w w during this pandemic and doing some uh, good history on Bosco and, and showing the campus and stuff. So we'll put that in the show notes too, Coach. Oh, thanks, man. Yeah, that's been pretty uh, effective for us. I mean, you know, so our school's closed, but, you know, periodically I have to go on to campus because... You know, there's a lot of stuff that I still have to do in preparation for the summer and for the fall. 
um, you know, that, that that's not going to stop just because we're in a pandemic. So I've just been kind of going around and filming some different things and, and trying to give people, uh, you know, a little bit of uh, content of, of what's going on behind the scenes in our program. And I think people are liking it. So you're Absolutely. right. We do have a YouTube channel. And I think we have St. John Bosco football uh, Facebook page as well that we, we put some stuff on. So social media is massive and it's a way for us to be able to, to grow our brand and let people know about not only what we're doing as a school, you know, as a football program, but as a school as a whole. So I'm very proud of the institution that I work for, and hopefully I'm going to be able to do it for a long period of time moving forward. All right, Coach, that's a wrap. Thank you so much. I uh, can't thank you enough for, for doing this with us and, and talking to our audience. And, you know, it's, a, it's fun to look back on your youth sports journey, and, and that's where our audience is. So thank you again. No problem. Um, yeah, thanks for having me. And youth sports is the key. You know, you have to be a part of it. It's kind of where you're going to cut your teeth and where you're going to develop the necessary skills in order to be good at the high school level. And if you have aspirations to go on past that, you know, the, the, youth, the youth level is where you want to start. And, and, and I'm always going to have, you know, kind of a special place in my heart for all those kids that I work with, you know, during my five years um, as a youth coach. Absolutely. And uh, you see the guy in the visor behind me? I do. So he's an incoming freshman for you, uh, Peyton, okay. Wood, Peyton Woodyard. Woodyard, yeah. Um, <laughs> he's a player. Yeah, great family. And so yeah. our company has worked with them uh, over the past several years and, uh, you know, worked on some videos with him. And the other one, this is, uh, you remember me when I was probably his yeah. age. He's, that's my son. He's going to be a freshman uh, oh. at, at Sunny Hills High School. Okay. Um, uh, this next year. So oh, great. You know, no, I mean, you know, you speak about Peyton and, and one of the things that's most impressive about him is his family. And, you know, Absolutely. I think that's, that, that was the draw to, to our school. And, you know, we really pride ourselves on family and a brotherhood at Bosco, you know, being so that we're all boys, but um, this, this, this young man is, is he's the complete package. I mean, he's, he's, he's a great, um, you know, representative of his family. He's amazing you know, athlete on the field. Um, and he's a registered, you know, incoming registered student for, for us here at Bosco. And he, he's even super high academically. So he, he's a complete package and he's the kind of kid that we like to model our program after. So hopefully we get a lot of those. Absolutely. Thank you again, coach. I really appreciate it. And uh, just want to want to say thank you and, and take care. Hey, thanks, PJ. Love to have me uh, have, be on your program. And if you need anything down the road, let me know. I'll be here. Okay, will do. Thanks, right, coach. Thanks, man. Um, yep. We hope you enjoyed this episode of highlighting the best of youth sports. Be sure and subscribe and please help us reach more people by leaving a rating and review on your favorite podcast platform of choice. If you or someone you know are interested in learning more about Numbers Don't Lie and what we do, what programs and services we offer for athletes, and how to get your athlete involved, be sure to visit numbersdontlie.biz. Until our next episode, go out and win the day and never miss your opportunity to be great. Thanks for listening to highlighting the best of youth sports.